Hello, friends and church leaders. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Church Leaders Podcast. This week's episode is number three in our series on church health, and our topic for today is change. We are your hosts, Becky and Carrie Holton. That's right. And we are talking about change in this week's episode, and I guess we're really talking about our willingness to change. Mm, Good point. And we are using our church health assessment as a launching pad for this discussion, as we have for the last two episodes. So, honey, why don't we get right to it? All right. Jump in there. Here is statement number 13 from our assessment. Church leaders, see if you agree or disagree with the following statement. Our church is beginning to realize that healthy change is expected and needs to be a part of our church's culture. Hmm. I like that question, but why don't we start by discussing the assumption behind that statement first? Good idea. That assumption is that healthy change should be expected and that it needs to be a part of a church's culture. You know, I wonder how many church leaders would agree with that assumption. Do we really believe or understand that change should be expected, that, you know, change needs to be part of our church's culture? Good question. Well, first of all, I think the statement reads that change must be healthy. So let's let's add mm-hmm. that at the beginning here. Certainly, there is change that is unhealthy. I think I know you're going with this, but what would we say is unhealthy change? Yeah. Well, of course, any change away from the will of God would be unhealthy. Right. Unbiblical. Right. Unscriptural change. That would be unhealthy. So what would we characterize as healthy change? Okay. Well, any change that helps us to carry out our mission of making and growing followers of Jesus, that would be allowed or permitted by the sacred writings. We could call that healthy change. Mm -hmm. And we are saying that churches also should expect change. Yes. That healthy change does need to be a part of a church's culture. Absolutely. I mean, you need to expect that. Every time, everything is not always going to be the same, right? Right. Change should not only, I think, be expected in the church world, but let's just add that change is a part of life in general. I mean, think about it. Nothing stays the same. Everything is in flux. So why would we assume that what is true of life in general is not also true of Life in church. Good point. I don't get that one Mm -hmm. when you think about it. Furthermore, the Christian life is all about change. Okay. Conversion is about change. Conversion is about turning from sin and one way of life to Christ and another way of life, right? Spiritual growth is all about change, too. Paul writes about the need for all of us to grow to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ from Ephesians 4. So turning to Christ and becoming more like Jesus, being transformed into his likeness, well, I don't know about other people, but that required a lot of change in my life. Yeah, and you know, we could add Scripture after Scripture to show what you just said. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking when Jesus said, uh, unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, we've got to change. Change. We've got to add those attributes that Mm -hmm. are Christ-like, and that that involves change, as you said. Well, that's the Holy Spirit's full-time job in our life. That's true. Galatians 6 is to develop all of those characteristics in us. I mean, that's a lifetime of change. And if we would only open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, we would find change to be a part of life. Oh, absolutely. Ongoing. Well, honey, what we're saying in this episode is that healthy churches realize 
that healthy change must be expected because, well, people change. Methods for reaching people change. The gospel does not change, no, but our ways of reaching people will certainly change over time. Right. And I'm just not sure that many churches want or expect change to be a part of their church's culture. I mean, how many of us really like change? I'm not too fond of it. Are you? Well, no, not usually, unless okay. it includes going out to dinner. <laughs> Instead of me cooking, that's a nice change. <laughs> no, we do tend to become very comfortable in our routine and our ways of doing things. I don't know that any one of us is just jumping for joy about change, but often change is absolutely necessary, and it's so good once we do it. Right. And if the old ways of doing things are not working, or if we find a better way, to do something, we should be willing to change. Right. And maybe one of the hardest things to admit is that what we're now doing is it's just not doing it. It's not working that, you know, that our church is on the decline. And unless changes are made, the church will continue to decline. Correct. I mean, that's a logical, logical. assumption. Well, yeah. it reminds me of what someone has said is the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and over again, but expecting a different result. That's such a great definition. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good segue to statement 27 in our church health assessment. And that is, our church wants to return to the good old days and for the most part is unwilling to innovate and change. Well, there you go. Boom. I mean, some churches are living in the past more than they are living in the present. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, We talk about nostalgia. It's a common feeling or an activity in these particular churches. And churches that tend to be nostalgic, who tend to want to return to and live in the good old days, are just not healthy. They're not making progress. You know, we can't go back to the 1950s. We may want the church growth that characterized that era, but this isn't the 1950s. Methods that worked then may not work now. What's that statement when a church's past becomes bigger than its vision and dreams, death is knocking at the door. I think that's true. Something along that line. So what we're saying is an unwillingness to change, to try new methods, to consider new ideas for reaching the lost and helping people grow in Christ. Well, it's killing many a church. We just must be willing to change our methods when change is called for, when it's just not working. I agree. We are hoping that church leaders who take this assessment are able to agree and strongly agree with statement number nine, for example. Here it is. Our church is characterized by creativity and innovation, that is, an out-of-the-box thinking approach to ministry. Right. Rather than being characterized by an unwillingness to try new ideas, church leaders and churches will be rewarded for their creativity and innovation. They need to be willing to consider new ideas and new methods, different ideas and different methods from what we have considered and practiced and used for maybe decades. Could we share some examples of the kind of changes that we're talking about? I think our listeners would really appreciate if we put something practical in, some practical examples of the kind of changes that we're talking about and encouraging churches to consider. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, just some ideas. There's thousands and bazillions of change, but maybe just a few. Well, just consider, for example, the use of technology 
Now, here's a small change. It's really a trivial one, really, but I've noticed that many churches today are now using a clock on the screen in the worship center that ticks down the minutes and seconds Mm-hmm. until the worship assembly begins. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, now that's a change, and perhaps a change for the better. Mm-hmm. Because before this change in starting a worship period, what did we have? Well, we used to Awkward. see men. Awkward. Yeah, we used to see men stand in front of an audience and try to get the church's attention so that worship could begin. And what we often heard was something like this. It's great to see Christian fellowship and love in action. You folks obviously enjoy being together, but now it's time for us to begin our worship. And then there's an awkward pause, and he'd say, uh, could I have your attention, please? Could I have your attention, please? I know. I was always waiting for one of them to put their fingers up to their mouth and do one of those really loud whistles and say, <laughs> knock it off. Yeah. <laughs> so, and some churches, they also turn down the lights to signal that worship is about to begin. And when that happens, I always feel like I'm back in school when the teacher would flash the lights to get us to shut up. But hey, even having a screen up front, not to mention a clock that ticks down the seconds to let us know when worship begins, well, it's change. You know, it's, it's a change, it's right? It's different and it's a big change for some folks. Yeah, and by the way, I'm sure that there have been churches that didn't want to put up a video screen in the first oh, place. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't want to put the songs up on a video screen. They chose rather to read them out of a hymnal. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think of how the internet and technology have changed changed our world, including the way we do things in church. And why wouldn't they change the way we do some things in why church? Wouldn't yeah, why, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? Another example, I think, is online giving. Many churches are offering online giving these days, and a lot of people are taking advantage of this way to give, I've noticed. Some have gone away from writing checks or putting cash in the collection plates, haven't they? And some of them even have um contribution or giving sharing boxes even in the foyers yeah generosity boxes Uh sometimes they're called right just drop your drop your contribution in on your way out or your way Mm -hmm. in you know here's an idea honey that uh, is the kind of idea that we're talking about and when i heard this idea i wondered why haven't we thought of this sooner and the idea was to schedule a baptism weekend Now, of course, we want to baptize people whenever they feel the need to start their walk with Christ. Absolutely. I mean, I remember, for example, that passage in Acts chapter 16 when Paul baptized the Philippian jailer Mm -hmm. at at about midnight. And Mm -hmm. we've used that text before to say, okay, you wake me up any time, day or night, I'll baptize you into Christ. Absolutely. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with scheduling a baptism weekend. And actually, I can see some of the benefits mm-hmm. of scheduling and promoting a baptism weekend. Can't you? Yes, I can. I mean, think about it. It it uh, it gets people thinking about the need to be baptized. Mm-hmm. It might uh, it, it might encourage someone who who didn't want the spotlight to become a Christian with other people who were mm-hmm. also deciding to follow Jesus. I just I see some benefits to that. Maybe a couple times a year. Schedule a baptism weekend. That's a new idea. It's a very new idea. Yeah, and, and it's the kind of idea that we're thinking about. Right, right. And we could list hundreds of new ideas that sure. churches are practicing today. New ways of doing things, you know, things that were never considered decades ago. But I have a question for you. There are churches and church leaders who refuse to consider any new ideas to help the church grow. We've known of churches that just, they cannot budge off of center. Maybe they refuse to use a video screen or online giving options or technology. Why do you think that is? Why are we, and I put myself in this category, why are we 
often so resistant to change? Well, that's a good question, and it could probably take up a good series of podcasts mm-hmm. on why we are resistant to change. I'm sure there are several reasons. I think one may be that we tend to become comfortable with the status quo. Any disruption, any change from the status quo just makes us feel a little bit uneasy, a little uncomfortable. I think another reason may be that we fear change. I mean, we fear that maybe one change will lead to another, which will lead to another, which will lead to another, and that eventually we'll end up going to a place that we didn't intend to go and now that we don't want to go. And it all started with that first change that we that we promoted. Mm-hmm. That sounds like what some people call slippery slope thinking. Yeah. But, I, you know, and I'd also comment, too, on that, that with fearing change, sometimes leaders um, don't know how to participate in or set up some of the change, like technology. Yeah. And it, they just feel like they're drinking out of a fire hose. It's a and, learning curve. Yeah. So just to say no to it, we don't need it, is easier yeah. than what might feel like a slippery slope to them. Yeah, slippery slope. You know, that's the idea uh, that we fear that making a change from A to B will eventually result in changes all the mm-hmm. way to Z. Right. And, and of course, there's no there's no logical reason why making the change from A to B will necessarily mean we're going to go from B to C and then C to D no, huh? and then E to Z. It doesn't mean that all of those changes down that slippery slope are necessarily going to happen. But I, I do think that's probably one reason. We fear that slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Maybe, honey, maybe we just prefer what is familiar to us, what we've grown up with. I mean, what we are accustomed to. Don't you think? I I think so. I think that's just a, it takes more energy to change and figure out things. But again, we need to ask, how are those ways of doing things working for us? As Dr. Phil would say, you know, are they leading to more conversions to Christ? Are they producing spiritual growth? Do we have more people attending worship and wanting to know about the Lord? If not, you know, we just got to be willing to change. We Amen. just do. Mm-hmm. Well, any closing thoughts before we wrap up this week's podcast? A wise one. Oh, my. Don't call me that. That's not true. Well, just this. You know, in this week's podcast, we've been trying to encourage church leaders to be open to change, to be willing to change to be willing to consider new ways of doing things, new ways of telling the old, old story, new ways of engaging and connecting with people outside the church and outside the faith. We've been encouraging them to expect change, to not be surprised when it comes, to develop a culture in their church that welcomes change. Why? Because we believe that healthy churches have developed that kind of culture. Right. Now, how to develop that kind of culture is fodder for another podcast. Fodder. Right. (laughs) But for now, let's just ask our listeners to consider how open they are to change. And let's ask them, for the sake of the mission, for the sake of reaching the lost, for the sake of helping followers of Jesus to grow into spiritual maturity, let's just ask them to be willing to open their minds to the possibilities of what change could bring. Absolutely, absolutely. And yes, let's let's pray that we see more churches who are ready to address the changing times and the changing culture. Well, 
that's it for today, friends. Plan to join us in a couple of weeks when we finish this series on church health. Our plan is to talk about the worship assembly the next time. And God bless you all. 